Welcome back to Beyond the Tavern Wall. I'm your host, Brayden Figgins, and I'm joined by the awesome and fantastic. We're going to start with Hunter. And Hunter is going to tell us about a question I definitely always think about before I start these things. Hunter, will you introduce yourself and tell us what your favorite book is? We'll go book this time. Ooh. Uh, well, hi, my name is Hunter Browning, and I have had plenty of time to sit and think about this question. Um, my favorite book is The Hobbit. That's a good book. Why is it your favorite book? I would, I, I would say it's probably because it's one of my earliest experiences with fantasy. It's a book I read when I was pretty young, and I've read it at least once every single year. I, just, I love it so much. I love the characters, the story, and the setting. It's, it's amazing. I mean, you can't go wrong with Tolkien's writing at all like but i've also said you can't go wrong with blts in the past and i was apparently went wrong so yeah you were really wrong about that <laughs> apparently yeah. i was all right that's hunter browning everyone we're gonna pass it off to kendall hi guys i'm kendall williams wife of samuel williams and my favorite book of all time is the percy jackson series uh the plot is amazing it involves greek mythology so i'm already there and the characters are so lovable and you just get so attached to them. And it's a wonderful story. If you haven't read it, you need to. So, yeah. All right. Is there a specific book? Ooh. Of the series? Ooh. You know, the Battle of the Labyrinth is up there. I think I think it's either I think it's either the Battle of the Labyrinth or The Last Olympian. I'll back both of those. They're both great. Yeah. We're gonna pass it off to Haley. Haley, introduce yourself, and what is your favorite book? Hey, everyone, I'm Haley. Um, I'd have to say my favorite book right now, because it changes a lot, is Crescent City by Sarah J. Moss, mm. and it's a modern-day fantasy book. Like, how so? Is it set in, like, New York or Los Angeles, where aliens well, only it, attack those two places? No, it's not set in, like, a real place like it's set on a different world but they have like modern technology they have like cars they have guns and stuff it's it's pretty cool and last but not least we have our amazing sam introduce yourself give us your favorite book hi i'm sam i'm totally not trying to wiggle my way into getting a free level up in our DD campaign my favorite book is the player's handbook for Dungeons and Dragons. Have you ever read it? Yeah, you don't even... Uh, you don't own the book. You don't own it. <laughs> Did I say I own it? No, you didn't, but it has to be your favorite that you've read. I just decided right now. Apparently, I need to own it, too, so... <laughs> um, when I was in fourth or fifth grade, I don't remember, I used to write little comic strips. That's my favorite book. There we go. The Player's <laughs> Handbook. And the little comic books strips, I, the little comic strips he wrote in the fourth grade. <laughs> I really like Ready Player One also. Ready Player One's a really good book. I need to read that one. Well, Brayden, what's your favorite book? What's my favorite book? Again, I'm Brayden Figgins, and my favorite book is probably the third book in the oh, Stormlight Archive, Oathbringer. It had me on the edge of my seat. Like, literally, I was so... Oh, that's that's literally all I can say. It's just oh, and all read his books. All four of the books he's had, at least of the Stormlight Archives, are phenomenal. The third book was so so good, and I can't wait for the next one to come out. And I also need to read the th hundreds of other books he's read. 
I'm so excited to read him because he, he is such a phenomenal author. Come join us on our podcast. All right. Before we actually go on, I would like to say I've never read the player's handbook and I don't plan to. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Range. In today's episode, we will be discuss discussing the cultural impact of Dungeons and Dragons on our society from the beginning when it started in 1970s to now in 2023 and beyond. So, D&D first started in 1974 when American game designers Ernest Gary Gygax, known as Gary Gygax by the community, and David Arneson published the very first edition of Dungeons and Dragons, 1E. Ever since then, Dungeons and Dragons has been one of the most popular, if not arguably the most popular role-playing tabletop game tabletop role-playing game i'm gonna get this right guys i promise i'm not tired Wait, do you need to get like a glass of water i need i need a giant thing of soda that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> first edition came out in 1974 we're gonna get back sorry i am i have, cannot read worth crap then 1977 advanced D, D came out and over the few years up to 2014 when the current edition fifth edition came out it has grown and expanded the rules have changed and DD as a whole has changed society in 2024, Wizards of the Coast, the creators of Dungeons and Dragons, are planning to release the next edition of D&D, One D&D. That's what it's called, is One D&D. It's a, it's a lame name. Everybody needs to work on their name changing. You went to Xbox 360 to Xbox One, fifth edition to One D&D. It makes no sense. So, obviously, within the 50-year period of Dungeons and Dragons being here, there has been some absolutely insane impacts it has had on our culture. And that's what we're going to discuss today. So what do you guys feel? What do you think is the biggest impact D&D has had on society today? I don't know if this qualifies as the biggest impact, but it definitely was a, a massive impact. Back during the 80s, D&D um, was still in its, its very young age. And this is when people started to speculate the true purpose uh, you can't see me making air quotes, but quote-unquote purpose of D&D. Uh, a lot of people speculated that it was summoning demons, witchcraft, all these other things. Um, wasn't necessarily a good thing to be a D&D player at that time. You became pretty much an outcast and somebody that was hated in your community, and you had to, you had to keep yourself very much on the down low if you, if you liked playing D&D. Thankfully, it's changed since then. But I, I think that is a, a massive cultural impact in D&D's history. I think that's probably the biggest, especially during the young infancy of D&D, it's the biggest impact it had because there are so many different um, Christian religions that were like, D&D is bad, you worship the devil, you're fighting monsters, you make packs with demons and devils and all that stuff. Therefore, Satan... And it, was, and it had such an impact on all these different Christian religions, all these different people, because they thought that it was demonic. You did have some incidents, I'm trying to find them, but you did have some incidents where some D&D groups kind of turned into cult and people died. So that's not always the best, but... Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's really great. Look it up. It's ooh, spooky, spooky. Um, but a lot of these groups were pushing so hard against it, even though in the end it was just imagination playing and there was no actual demonic combining your souls with Satan or anything like that. Yeah, that that reminds me of that those girls that thought Slender Man was real. Oh Do you guys gosh. remember that? Yes. Terrible, so sad. That was insane. That was insane. 
No, he's not Hunter. Oh, who's the man in my closet then? That's Dave. It's me. Oh, it's Dave. It's Dave. It's, Dave. <laughs> it's Jeff. Jeff, the killer. Jeff. It reminds me of that, and um, like there is that danger with anything that isn't real or fantasy related of someone's gonna take this too far and start believing that it's real, but we can't stop doing all of this stuff just because like point zero 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 one percent of people are gonna take it too far, you know. Looking it up, it looks like in 1988 in Washington, North Carolina, not D.C. or the state, Washington, North Carolina, uh, there is some student at uh, North Carolina State University allegedly masterminded the whole murder of his stepfather through Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, they had a game map that depicted his, his stepfather's house and turned up as a physical evidence against uh, this, this kid, Chris Pritchard. Um, to be used against him in this trial and the press and all these uh different authors really played up that role-playing angle to um <laughs> kind of go at him with all that stuff because i don't know it's just it's interesting so that's freaky and spooky and also that's really gross who Anybody else got something on the on the lighter side of things yeah i have a lighter side <laughs> good 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 i'm glad somebody does start and spicy hey it's a big was... impact I was going to say um, Dungeons and Dragons has inspired multiple video game genres and like different um, game mechanics, too. Can you name some? I believe uh, Doom was based off of D&D and also Final Fantasy would probably be the bigger ones that were based directly off of D&D. Wait, Doom was? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's insane. I remembered reading about it. Let me see if I can find it again. I just pulled it up. Yeah. Um, the lead programmer for it was a dungeon master, John Carmack, uh, for ID Software. And um, yeah, it was inspired by, by D&D, uh, at least partially. That's so cool. Apparently, so is Team Fortress 2, Sam. I know this. There's a Team Fortress comic that pays homage to that fact. Nice. This man's read the TF2 comics. He knows all the lore. <laughs> he knows all the lore. <laughs> oh, let's jump into some TF2 lore, why don't we? No, no, and no. Save that for the next podcast. Uh, <laughs> actually, we're something more than a podcast episode. Yeah, it'll be a, a whole, whole thing. Um, going along. I'll tell you what, what, once we hit 100 five star reviews, I'll do an episode of just straight TF2 lore. Jeez. Or you do that in our gaming podcast. Could do that, but um, that doesn't give this any incentive here. You're right. Get a, get us a hundred five star reviews, and we will cry. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I probably would. That's awesome. Um, Skyrim is one of the biggest games. Could arguably be one of the best games all times, in my opinion, at least. Um, so having that just small impact from D&D into Skyrim shows how vast the impact of D&D is all over. I'm also a firm believer that the Elder Scrolls is just Todd Howard's D&D world brought to life. You're probably right. He's over there just as a kid. He's like, oh, let's make Tamriel, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to become a video game designer and literally make Tamriel. It was the dream of a madman. <laughs> Sounds like Thanos. <clears throat> Well, it's interesting because going along with video games being inspired by D&D, &D, there's a lot of 
like other media as well like tv shows movies i mean vin diesel he claims that dnd uh dnd's influence i guess this is all over the fast and furious franchise um as really? well as yeah yeah apparently he claims that but then there's also i, I don't know if any of you guys watch the show i did a little bit growing up but adventure time yes heck yeah yeah the, that is yeah the, the the creator himself pendleton ward quoted it quoted saying when i'm writing an episode it feels like i'm playing D D with the characters which makes a lot of sense with what goes on in that show <laughs> yeah. just a yeah. giant D <laughs> campaign mm -hmm. just the chaos of that show <laughs> oh my gosh i'm reading um like tv shows and movies inspired by D D, and guess what one of them is what the hobbit want to know want to know what's wrong about that the hobbit came so many out things. 30 years before D D was even invented <laughs> and, and the guys are over here. It seems like Tolkien was t taking a page right out of Dungeons and Dragons while writing The Hobbit. No, he wasn't. D&D &D ripped off. D Here's another cultural uh, impact. D&D &D was sued by the Tolkien Society for using hobbits and halflings. No, not halflings. Sorry. Hobbits turned into halflings. Ents and the Balrog. They used those three <laughs> things in their D&D. And the Tolkien Society, or whoever runs, has uh, the Tolkien Enterprise is what it says, sued them. It was like, you can't use Hobbit, Enter, Balrog. You, you have to just change that. So they changed it to Halfling, Treant, and the Balor, which is a wow. like super strong demon. So Yeah, isn't, wasn't D&D &D at first like um, just Lord of the Rings, the game? Probably. I've heard that before. They do have a Lord of the Rings role-playing game, though. Yeah, there's yeah. a specific Lord of the Rings based one, but I mean, the the creators of D and D. I'm trying to think of their names. You, you just, said one of them earlier. Gary but there's Gygax another and Dave guy. Arneson. Yes, both of them. They they were big Tolkien fans, and they took a lot of the inspiration from those books and put it into D and D. I mean, it's it's it is basically Lord of the Rings, but it's not because copyright reasons. Yep. Thank you, Tolkien. Yeah. Which I yeah. I, I um, understand. I have some interesting things to share. So I was reading an article because I'm a girl who can read. <laughs> so as witchcraft, thank you. Witchcraft, witchcraft. I know. <laughs> Murder at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in this article, it actually says, like, it explains why geek culture and D and D specifically have become so popular in the last like 20 years or so. And they mentioned like it being featured in TV shows and stuff and like freaks and geeks, uh, community, things like that. And they made up a really good point as to why it's becoming popular. It's because the kids that started playing D&D &D when it came out grew up and got jobs in the entertainment industry. And so because of D&D, &D, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe was able to come to light because... There were a bunch of geeks in that conference room, basically. I mean, as well as that, you had Stan Lee, who pushed as well. Like, Stan Lee, Lee was before D&D, yeah. but with, uh, what is it? It's not Dave Filoni, it's John Favreau. Favreau. And who's the yeah. other person? Kevin Feige? Kevin Feige, yes. Okay. Uh, Kevin Feige, Feige and John Favreau grew up playing. I mean, John Favreau is one of the most famous D&D players in the world, and he probably took a lot of that, like you're saying, a lot of that inspiration from his D&D worlds. And moved them into the cinematic side of Marvel. Mm -hmm. 
which is insane. Going along with what you said, Hunter, Vin Diesel in The Last Witch Hunter, um, he said that that character, The Last Witch Hunter, was partly based off of his D&D character. And then it's also really cool as well. Vin Diesel played with Matt Mercer. We've talked about Matt Mercer a lot, and I don't know if we've really explained who he is. He's the dungeon master for the hit podcast, Let's Play for Dungeons & Dragons Critical Role, and he's phenomenal. Uh, He played with Vin Diesel once, and he created a whole class around the the witch hunter known as the blood hunter. Which is a very cool class. It's a really cool class. You like... You're a masochist who does that to make really cool weapon. Yeah, I need to learn how to play Bloodhunter. Yeah, Matt, Matt Mercer is very, very talented. I mean, he, he's a voice actor, so I'm sure many of you have probably heard his voice in some sort of project, even if you didn't know it. He's uh, in Attack on Titan. He is. He's in Overwatch. Wait, oh, is he? He's in he's Overwatch. Levi. He's in Overwatch. He's in Titanfall. Um, uh, he did the some Legend stuff. of Zelda. Yep, he's Ganondorf mm-hmm. in the new uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's done a lot of stuff. Let's talk about why we've, we've talked about some major events or things. One of the biggest things that has caught on in popular culture are D&D Let's Plays. So Critical mm-hmm. Role, Dimension 20 with Brennan Lee Mulligan in that cast, Dungeons and Daddies, which is not a BDSM uh, podcast. It's about Dungeons and Dragons. No, Adventure yep. Zone, like all of these different very popular let's plays why have they become so popular i think it was covid that helped make them so popular i think of course they were gaining in popularity before covid happened but i think covid definitely like threw gasoline on that fire so to say because we couldn't socialize or see people we couldn't even leave our houses right so um for me my reasoning is it was like you were with your friends playing a game, right? It was both the escapism of a story, but then also the social aspect of interacting, laughing, making jokes, stuff like that. Yeah, build, building off of that, I, I haven't really started watching Let's Plays until this year, uh, 2023. My big reason for getting into watching a lot of these Let's Plays personally is the storytelling the 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 raw and real emotions that come out of these players as they're really getting into their characters the worlds that they're building and all of that i mean i find it even though it's like four hours per episode typically i find it more entertaining than just about any other tv series or movie i will ever watch and why do you think that is because it's you, you don't know what's going to happen. It's not going to be a predictable plot. I can go and sit down and watch a heist movie, and within the first, like, five minutes, I can be like, oh, yeah, this is what's going to happen. I'm bored. It's stupid. Yeah. You even know who the traitor is at that point. Oh, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. It's boring. Yeah, I, but with D&D, things aren't even decided yet. It just depends on that roll of the dice, right? Well, no, you can decide something. It's just a matter of is fate going to let it happen. Yeah, that's Who's going to throw a wrench in it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think as well with that is it's not scripted, which brings so much more um, emotion and storytelling to that because it, the story is unfolding as as you watch. With movies, mm-hmm. you could skip like it. It doesn't matter. The movie is gonna be the same every single time you watch it. Like it is already set out. The story is already set in front of you. You just have to now watch it. But with mm-hmm. let's plays, if you're watching it live, at least. 
it's unfolding right in front of you. Who would have known that um, all these different events were going to happen and these people were going to die and, and you just don't know that. And that's what brings for me, at least the fun aspect of the love of, oh shoot. The, oh gosh, I cannot think. Holy chicken. Um, the chickens are holy. I, it's my uh, expletive brother. Uh, it's what brings the exciting excitement and mystery to to the let's plays because you don't know what's going to happen you can't skip forward like what's happened is unfolding in front of your eyes or inside your ears however you want to say that right then and there and then also the people are there to play like they're with critical role it's their job so they're going to be phenomenal at it no matter what because it's what they're getting paid to do. So they're going to pour their heart and soul into it. Mm -hmm. For sure. I would argue also, I mean, sure, they're paid for it. But I mean, even people that aren't paid for it and they just do it as a hobby, the amount of emotion that they can bring into it. I was reading, I'm looking at it right now. Um, the New York Times released a article a little over a year ago. Um just a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons and what's going on these days. Um, in this article, there is a person, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name because I am a white male who has never traveled in my life, so I'm horrible at it. <laughs> um, but basically this person, uh, they are a dungeon master in Britain, and in one of their campaigns, uh, they quoted themselves saying, uh, so this, this one of the characters that they played, in this campaign, they got a tattoo of that character on them, um, and they said that character was made up of, quote, all the bits of myself that I really wanted to aspire to be even more of. I was in therapy at the time, and so much of my life has changed just because I was able to explore these big themes and tell these stories and understand myself through play. And I think that just, it summarizes a lot of the experiences that I, I've, I've seen. Like, these characters are they're interesting even if the backstory isn't all that great um which most of the characters i've seen have had phenomenal backstories they can really just evolve as the story goes on and you see them change and you can watch the player change as well i liked what you said that he was able to become more of who he wanted to be through play and imagination i've actually been reading up on manifestation and stuff like that a lot recently and if you didn't know this uh, if you imagine yourself doing a goal or doing something you've always wanted to do in rich sensory detail, like sight, smell, sounds, touch, all of those things. And if you imagine it multiple times, your brain makes a neural pathway that literally makes it easier to do it. So what we're saying basically is that D&D &D makes dreams come true. Amen. Yes. Hunter can live out his dream of shooting people with arrows in the calf. <laughs> and yes and sam can live out his dream of being a turtle that is my dream it to is sleep a lot i love it beautiful dream and eat watermelon she just really cute and go mom, mom. <laughs> and I, he already like, does that to me <laughs> he already um, does that to me he'll just bite me randomly so with let's plays being popular and then DD &D becoming more in the social zeitgeist big word for you for the day stranger things the D, D movie um why do you think nerd culture and is so popular today um can okay. i go first yeah, if go that's ahead. okay 
So I noticed this cultural shift um, in my life, at least because I remember when the first Iron Man movie came out and I remember what it was like before the first Iron Man movie came out. I was bullied all the time. Well, I wasn't bullied all the time. I was bullied like once or twice about being nerdy and liking nerdy things. And before the Iron Man movie came out, it was stupid and dumb to like superheroes. Then the Iron Man movie came out and all of the popular kids were like, oh my gosh, I love Batman. I love Iron Man. And they would like wear those shirts with like the, the that were like had the symbol of the superhero on them. And I was like, what the heck just happened? Because like two weeks ago, you would have made fun of me for that. But now it's cool to like it. So I think a big part of it was the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then going back to what you said, towards the beginning of the episode, Kendall. I mean, all these people that grew up with, like, Dungeons and & Dragons and all these nerdy things when they were younger, back in, like, 70s, 80s, 90s, they're starting to get these jobs in entertainment. They're having a big impact on the community as a whole. And all these people that, that see these, these actors and these producers just, uh, create all these things and be open about being a nerd, uh, it's it's become a little bit more acceptable. People see these idols, basically, that they worship, and they're like, oh, they think that's cool? Sure, yeah, it's fine. I'm going to kind of tag on to that one, Hunter. My boyfriend and I the other day were literally just saying, life became so much better when we accepted that we were nerds. And so I think it's just people tired of putting up a front. I think people are just realizing that, you know what, I'm going to like what I like, and if it's nerdy, I don't care. Yeah, dang it. Football sucks. I'm sorry. I have to say it. Hey, you take that back right now. You take that back right now. Kendall I'm is tired the... of pretending that football is good. I love... Wait, wait, wait. Which, which football are we talking about? Are we talking about American football? Or American about... football. Okay, I still love me some American football. Don't you dare. I'm actually with Kendall. I know. It's not terrible, yeah, I... but it's... I'm tired of pretending it's the coolest thing ever. It's an hour. Yes, thank it's... you. It's not the coolest thing ever but I still love it. It is a game of strategy, and I love it. They go on for two hours, and in total, they play about seven minutes. Yeah, it's torture. It's actually I, an hour of playtime, not counting uh, overtime. I'm, I'm talking about overall, like, uh, you watch for two hours, and you only get to see seven minutes. I, I don't mind Wait. football. Is it my favorite sport? Absolutely not. I That's the one sport I don't have a favorite team. I have a favorite team in NHL before I have a favorite team in uh, hockey before I have a favorite team in football. I'm just going to quickly correct you, my friend. You said seven minutes of playtime. My brother in Christ, there are four quarters in a game. Each quarter has 15 minutes of playtime. That's an hour of game. I'm talking about when the ball I'm talking about when the ball I'm tilted. When the ball is moving. Stop yeah, that's, that's being still... so sweaty. I'm sweaty. <laughs> Hunter, you I'm can't so even play sweaty sports. right now. What do you mean? <laughs> you want to talk, Mr. Athletic? Hey, man, I played sports all growing up. Swimming doesn't count. Oh, yeah, dude. Get in the pool. Two hours. We will go. Let's see if you can make it through a thousand yards. You were on the swimming team, weren't you, Hunter? I was for six years and swam state competitions. Oh, shoot. Okay, let's get back on topic. I'm going to have to cut half of that, but that's hilarious. No, that's staying all in so people can diss you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know where you're going with that. How did we... 
How did we get there? I, don't know, I said Kendall people are tired did. of pretending to be cool. Going back to what Haley was sailing. Sa sailing? Holy chicken. <laughs> saying. Yar. Sea of Thieves. <laughs> Shut up, guys. <laughs> Going back to what she was saying, um, people just aren't afraid to be who they are anymore. I feel like that's also a big cultural shift that has allowed, has allowed that mentality to happen where people aren't putting up with other people's crap. Like some people call it sensitive. I call it just being okay with yourself and not dealing with people's crap. There's just, there is a mentality now that it is okay to enjoy the things you enjoy. Like if you like Dungeons and Dragons, that's normal now. Robin Williams played D&D. You guys, I, you four don't know who Tim Duncan is. One of the superstars, greatest, like best, one of the best to ever do it in the game of basketball. Tim Duncan of the San Antonio Spurs plays Dungeons and Dragons. Tim Duncan, come join us on the podcast. That would be so freaking dope. He that plays D&D. &D. Good luck, Charlie. No, that's that uh, Bob best? Duncan. That's Bob Duncan. Oh, it's Bob, Bob Duncan. Yeah. Okay. Tim Duncan oh. is an NBA superstar. You have... I think, I think he was um, athletic. <laughs> <laughs> you have Vin Diesel, like we said beforehand. John Favreau. Um, Matthew Willard. Matthew Willard. Um, shoot, I'm, I'm trying to think. Henry Cavill plays it. Um, or does he just play Warhammer? But it doesn't matter. He, he likes tabletop and role-playing games. Surprise. Yeah, these a massive nerd. people who we look up to as these superstars living the pinnacle of life, uh, they are getting it all down in society. They've done everything right. They play these what was once considered nerdy games, and it's opened up the window for us to be like, hey, I play these games, too. If you're going to not make fun of these guys, you can't make fun of me because I'm just like them now. Yeah, for sure. Minus mm -hmm. the, Minus the millions of dollars. Yeah. Aww. Can we talk about the D&D movie for a second? Yes. Um, Let's. April of this year, when it, well, March, April of this year, when it came out, it, D&D was at its peak in Google searches. Branded is for the movie, but still, the Dungeons and Dragons search was at the peak it has ever been in all of internet history. With the movie coming out, how do you think that has changed people's view of Dungeons and Dragons? I feel like it's opened the door for a lot of people because the movie was very entertaining and I think it showed a lot of people, hey, it's we're not a cult. Yes. It's a lot of yeah. fun. Yet. <laughs> or are we? I uh, know it, it just showed that it's a lot of fun. It's a story to be told. It's an adventure to be had. I don't really have much else to say. I'm boring. No, you're not. We love you. Sam, you're great. It's, um... My mom just watched it recently, and we were actually talking about it, I think, last week as of recording this. And she was saying that because of our podcast, um, she was able to kind of pick up on a few more cues that the movie itself was talking about. And so it's kind mm -hmm. of showed these, um, like, the people who don't know anything about D&D, like, that was a movie you did not have to know anything about it. If you want to just go watch a good movie, a good funny movie, was it like Oscar worthy? I, I probably won't win any Oscar, but if you wanted to just go watch a good funny movie, that was the show you'd go see because it was critically a very popular movie uh, among critics and not only just among fans. I think the only reason it di didn't do as well in the box office is because it released the week before the Mario movie. Um, yeah, but 
overall, it was a very successful movie and brought a lot of people uh, into interest with Dungeons and Dragons. If you played D&D beforehand, you got picked up on a lot more um, cues and I absolutely love them and they're hilarious. And when did I talk about, I think a few episodes ago, I talked about how much I loved that show or at least the opening part of it. But it's such a good gateway into Dungeons and Dragons. It's a safe entryway into showing what it's all about, the world you create, because that was a pretty darn good example of what a campaign actually is. Yeah. Every scene felt like a D&D session. And yes, they do just randomly skip to different parts of the world, just like that. Because, yeah. the, because the DM doesn't want to do five hours of travel. That's yeah. boring. Nah. Hey, if my group is listening to this, yeah, sometimes we just skip places. Sometimes I don't want to describe you traveling through the woods for 20 minutes, okay? <laughs> it's normal. Last <laughs> week it was Brian. This week it's the group. Next week, coming for the government. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, always. Always. <laughs> always going for the government. Amen. <laughs> no, next week, it's going to be you, Brayden. Wait. Ooh. We already had our DM, uh, what makes a great DM. You already roasted me, and we did great. I stepped it up yesterday. <laughs> you really did. I'm Monday. so proud of you. I was also a little nervous. We did yeah, have, have uh, uh, the head guy over Fanix came over because... Uh, he wants me to be a premium DM. Me and Haley are both going to be premium DMs for FanX. And he was like, I, I got to observe you guys, though, and watch. And I was like, holy chicken, that's terrifying. I don't have faith in my D&D skills. And then he was over here like, I'm going to come over and watch you play Dungeons & Dragons. And I, I watch you DM Dungeons & Dragons. And I was just like, okay, that's fine with me. Uh. <laughs> and it was great. Yeah, we went into Mad Max. You guys got motorcycles. Hell motorcycles. Well, that's awesome. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's another thing that I just barely thought of. The world record Dungeons and Dragons, uh, most like the world record for most players in a D&D game happened in April as well, or something like that. It happened uh, earlier this year, where there was over a thousand players, I think, who came and played D&D all together. Like, that's the world record for people coming together to play D&D. Like, holy crap, that's pretty darn cool that that many people... That just shows that there is a society of people... Maybe that sound makes it sound totally like a cult, but we're rolling with it. That love the game <laughs> so cult. much. It's, it's not a cult. Um, and <laughs> play... Like, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to be part of this historical moment in Dungeons & Dragons. And they were. And they're doing it again at Fanex, I believe. And it's going to be absolutely insane. No, but um, I'm actually curious. Like, a thousand players? That's not all in the... I doubt that's all in the same game. That'd be horrible. To no, they it's, ran it. all this, it's all the same module that same place, like, kind of coincide deal. with the different tables that are playing. Okay, okay. Man, can you imagine DMing for a thousand people at the same time? One thousand. That would be a nightmare. I would would probably die like legit I would rather die that's like two hours to get through no that's probably longer than two hours to get through a single round of combat 1227 players on 200 different tables wow and they will be doing that at Fenix nice Mm -hmm. so it's pretty insane Um, what other impacts has D&D had on uh, our culture 
I think overall, it's just created a lot of creativity, especially in the Hollywood scene. I think a few episodes ago, we talked about a bunch of celebrities that play D&D. I think Vin Diesel was one of them. We talked about it just barely. Well, we've touched on it in the past as well. Yeah. Just like overall, as a whole, especially in the Hollywood scene, we have a lot more creativity that's being fostered. And that's a great way to to have actors kind of mesh their their acting skills together. Not just actors, it could be anyone. It, if you want to write a podcast, for example, play a D&D session. It gives you a, a sense of what everyone's like in their head. You can use it as like a as a psychological tool to see what kind of topics does this person like to talk about what gets them going what topics do people shy away from it's like a personality test in a game almost true i think so what pro- gets you going sam sorry what gets you going <laughs> turtles oh fair enough okay Dang. i love turtles um, it's the oscar wilde quote um man is least himself when he's talking to you give him a mask and he'll show you who he truly is it's a very yeah. similar situation it was bane no that's oscar wilde huh. okay the original quote bane, bane bane was quoting oscar wilde bane is actually mm-hmm. just a representation of oscar wilde okay i i I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> nobody cared who i was until i put on the mask <laughs> i was um, born in darkness all Multiply quoted by Oscar Wilde. It. Literally every no. single line that Bane spoke was just Oscar Wilde, okay? <laughs> um, I think over, I, I think the, in recent history, Stranger Things is one of the, is a big reason D&D has become very popular. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Stranger Things was set in the 80s, so it would have been like second edition D&D. And so how they played it, would have been very different than how it's played now, but they played it wrong. They played it wrong. Okay, I don't care kind of what edition you play. If you're not playing fifth edition, you're wrong. Just kidding. You do <laughs> you, homie. Um, but it brought it into the mainstream of like, it, I mean, how big is Stranger Things? One of the biggest TV shows to ever come out. It's all right. Yeah. Well, I'm, even if you think it's all right, it's one of the biggest TV shows to ever come out. It, like, that's just factual. Um, and so, therefore, having that first scene, well, one of the first scenes where the kids are all playing D&D and they fight the Demogorgon. The Demogorgon has its name in myths and uh, folklore and all that stuff. But for that game, the Demogorgon in Stranger Things was based off of the Demogorgon from D&D. And then you have the Mind Flayer, which is a D&D monster. You have Vecna, which is one of the most iconic D&D villains. And all these things that people are now talking about more all came from Stranger Things, which was inspired by D&D. D&D is the source of everything. There you go. I believe it. Yes. I think that hamburgers and cheeseburgers work well with fries. <laughs> and that is the greatest <laughs> D&D comment to ever exist. And we are going to wrap up the episode with that comment right there. Everyone, thank you so much for coming out to the podcast today. We always appreciate it, and we won't say it enough. Your guys' support has meant everything to us and has kept us driven to to make this podcast and keep making it and make it better for you guys. Um, As always, follow us on Instagram at 
Beyond the Tavern Wall and TikTok Beyond the Tavern Wall. Uh, if you have any suggestions for episodes, any questions, any comments, you can always email us at beyondthetavernwall at gmail.com. And as always, the best way to support the new, the best way to support the podcast is by sharing it with your friends and family in real life, talking to them. We should get a poll about how many of you guys have shared it with people because I bet you every one of you has because it's been, we've had a lot of support. So who is going to, who wants to give them the challenge for today? I can do one. I was just going to say um, anyone who also thinks that hamburgers and cheeseburgers work well with fries. Yes. There we go. If you think hamburgers or cheeseburgers work well with fries, share it with someone. No, share it with someone who thinks that as well. <laughs> you know what? Nice. Why don't you just share it? Share it. Period. Just share it. Friends and families on your socials. That would mean a ton for us. Tag us. If you ever post about us, make sure to ta tag us and we will make sure to go and like that because Kendall's in charge of the social media. So she will do that. Right, I Kendall? Will. No pressure. Yes. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Everyone, give your final goodbyes. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.